Alrighty, guys, welcome back to the Mob Squad Pod. This is episode 31, and we got Manny with us this week. Manny, what's up, dude? What's up, my friend? How's everything going? Good. Uh, we got some snow last weekend, and hey. uh, yeah, it kind of sucked for a couple days, but for the <laughs> most part, it's pretty much all gone, and it's turned back to rain. But who knows? Might come back. I'm sure you guys can't really relate out there in sunny Florida. I mean, listen, it's quite unbelievable when you look at the map, right? And you look at the weather forecast and everything's in blue, purple, white, you know, and it and it's basically telling you that everything is between 50 degrees and 10 degrees. And then you look at South Florida, it says 78. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Bro? Yeah, it's really weird. And some of the pictures and stories that are coming out of Texas are crazy. Um, well, it's, they it's weren't like, they weren't they weren't ready for the White Walkers, man. That, that's yeah, for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's absolutely crazy. This storm that we're getting right now um aaron won't be joining us this week uh last Again. time we re- yeah last time we <laughs> recorded he was in new york and this time he's in new orleans so he's uh Jesus. yeah he's really busy right now he's going all over the place so aaron won't be he's, joining he's us gone to more he has gone to more places in three months than carson wentz has oops yeah uh so hopefully one of these episodes soon uh definitely for sure for our like uh review episode um we'll have all three of us here but for this week it's gonna be just us two first thing that we should talk about since we haven't done an episode since is obviously the super bowl so just some quick thoughts um i don't know how you felt about the game i felt like most people that i saw and most people i heard from were kind of disappointed in the game and they thought it was a boring game. What did you mm-hmm. think? Were you okay with the game? Did you like it? Did it turn out how you thought? It definitely did not turn out how I thought. Um, once again, though, if you ever questioned if, it, if an offensive line was the key of winning games, I mean, this game probably told you that when you don't have two good, le- good, you know, good left, you know, two, two good tackles, right? Left or right. Um, and even with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes that could ex- that could actually escape the pocket and create plays, um, you know, down the field with his legs. If this game didn't show you how crucial it is for those positions for, for, for you to have those right on your team, I don't know what can. Right. I mean, I was disappointed. I expected more from the Chiefs defense. They just looked like they were out schemed, outplayed, out hustled. Um, I'm sorry, out, out, out hustled. Um, I mean, geez, like I, I don't think I've ever seen a defense, and now I'm I'm having a brain freeze now. The Chiefs' defensive coordinator, oh, Steve, um, Steve Spagnolo, um, yeah, Spag. Steve Spagnolo, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a coach, Coach Spags, being out coached like that ever, right? Because even from the get go, even when they were up by three nothing, um, you know, yeah, they had that goal line stand right against Brady, but at some point you kind of know. Listen, if they continue to run the ball like this going to make life easy for the passing game and that's exactly what happened and the Chiefs in the second half had no answer on defense and on offense they just you know the times that a guy in the red zone they substituted for field goals and they couldn't convert down the field and I mean credit to Todd Bowles I mean once again they bracketed um, Tyreek Hill in such a way that hey you know I'm saying I'd rather have Kelsey catch these underneath passes and you know, run five, ten yards, and me giving up a thirty-yard, you know, a thirty-yard play down the field to Hill. So, I think overall, the Bucks overall had a great game plan going into it. And then once again, Bruce Arians, man, what one heck of a job this whole season by that man. 
Um, you know, yes, credit to Tom Brady first, right? But I think Bruce Arians brought this whole this whole th- thing together, and man, it was just a performance for the ages, I guess. Once again, for the Bucks, right? Because it seems like whenever they're in Super Bowls, you know, their defense just shows up <laughs> and they end up winning like the way they do. Yeah, the game certainly didn't play out the way that I thought. I thought that the Chiefs were going to win the game, and I was a little concerned that the Chiefs might just run away with it. I didn't know if Tampa Bay was going to be able to keep up. But like you said, scheme-wise, this was two totally different teams. The Buccaneers Mm -hmm. were super prepared, and they executed flawlessly. The Chiefs came in with a flawed game plan, and it backfired. Like you said, they had backups in there on the line and they didn't feel like they needed to do any extra protection schemes at do both anything. tackle positions. Right. It wasn't even guard. It was at the tackles, right? The most, the they, last spot they, on the offensive line. <laughs> they yeah. They're both their starting tackles were out. And then a couple of their guards were backups as well due to injuries and such. So, uh, it was not good. Uh, just like schematically, I, I don't know what they were thinking. Um, Kansas City used five-man protections on 92% of their dropbacks, and they left uh, those two backup tackles without help. And uh, that's a big mistake. You're putting your line in a bad spot. Uh, That would be a bad spot against a subpar defense because this is still the NFL and there's still really good players, even on bad defenses. But you're talking about a defense that had Levante David, um, Shaq Barrett, uh, I mean, Adamakid Sue, like and Devin White. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't mm-hmm. do that against this defense. So I don't know what Andy Reid was thinking there. I guess he just mm-hmm. assumed that they were better and just they would execute better. I don't know. But um, the stat that I found that really blew my mind, and some people might have heard this one already, but it, it I think it bears repeating because it's just crazy. Patrick Mahomes ran a total of 497 yards before he even <laughs> attempted a pass or got sacked. That's crazy. 497 well, that, yards, that's almost five full football fields. But, Nick, that's what happens when you don't run the football, though, right? I mean, I thought in the in the small running plays that they did, they succeeded. But Andy Reid, just like he always did in Philadelphia, he got, no, I want to be the way that I want to be, right? Okay, so I'm going to get away from what's working. I'm going to try to do other things. And I just feel like they got away from the run too damn early. And it made the Bucks defense such you know it put them in such a way that they kind of knew all right listen they're not going to run the ball they've already shown this to us we've already played them once so we know what they can do with it let's just play this basic style of defense where we're going to make these guys you know have to run down the field and you know what i don't have to bring pressure my front four with these guys with sue and shaq barrett and jpp these guys can create their one-on-one um, they can beat their one-on-ones up front and create that pressure. And I just feel like Andy Reid just basically opened up the playbook for Todd Bowles for the secondary coverages. And to me, that was a major key. You didn't run the football. You didn't even try to. And your quarterback had to run for almost 500 yards without having to throw the football because he was getting chased. Yeah, I was waiting for, like, after the into the second quarter and especially after halftime, I thought for sure they were going to start running the ball more because – I didn't see what other option they had because Mahomes was getting killed back there. Even when he wasn't getting sacked, he was still taking shots. And I thought for sure they were going to start running the ball more, and they just never did. And I don't know why. It, it, that's a really bad spot to have a brain fart if you're a head coach. And, you know, to do that in the Super Bowl, that's really tough. But the Bucks were the superior team. 
and they're the champs. So now we're gonna they're gonna go into the offseason and they have some pretty big free agents that are uh, they're gonna have to address. And uh, this is a pretty star-studded list. Levante and David. They're, they're all they're all gonna want to get paid though, Nick. That's oh for yeah, sure. oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got Levante David, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Gronkowski, Shaq Barrett, and Dominican Sue, and uh, Leonard Fournette. Playoff Lenny or Super Bowl Lenny or Lombardi Lenny, whatever you want to call him. Uh, so they're gonna have a lot of questions this off season because it kind of feels like the way that this team is constructed right now, and it's really tough to repeat. We've, we've talked about that before, but you feel like this team and this core with Tom Brady at the center of it, they could probably make another deep run next year. So it'll be interesting to see who comes back and who doesn't. And based on what they were saying during their uh, championship parade, they made it sound like everyone was coming back, but I, I don't see how that's possible, but we'll see. Um, the uh, other interesting interesting stat that I found that uh, just kind of blew my mind and I wanted to put that out there. Tom Brady now has seven Super Bowl wins, which is absolutely crazy, but this makes it even crazier. The Cardinals, Falcons, Panthers, Lions, Vikings, Chargers, Texans, Jags, Titans, Browns, Bengals, Bills, Seahawks, Rams, Saints, Bears, Eagles, and Jets have six Super Bowl wins combined. So he has more hey. Super Bowls by himself than all of those franchises combined. That's absurd. At least the Rams have one. Yeah, that 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 stat is that's just <laughs> absurd. Um, by the way, uh, quick thing, quick thing before we move on. What was your thing on seeing Tom Brady throw the trophy? I I thought it was hilarious. I really I really didn't care. I I know there were some people out there. Um, that were kind of like, what the hell are you doing? Like that could have sank to the bottom of the ocean or whatever. But I thought it was pretty cool, honestly. Um, I even if it would have fallen in the water, I wouldn't have had a problem with it because they would have got it back. And it's not like they can't just get another one made or something. Like I don't know. It wasn't that big of a deal to me. I don't know what your thoughts were, but I, to me, it I mean, wasn't a big it. deal. I thought it was cool. The only thought I had was that listen, I've been part of equipment crews, right? So. You know, I have been the guy doing the laundry, checking pads, checking helmets. And if it's my and, and if it's the first time I've ever won a Super Bowl championship and if my and if the star quarterback of the of the team throws a trophy and it falls in, into the ocean, personally, I'd be pretty pissed and upset about it. But can I blame Tom Brady? The man has he's like he has what he's won a total of seven. I mean, geez, like, you know, after a certain time, you rarely give a crap about it, I think. He's like, oh, what the hell is this? Oh, these guys, you know, they keep making this for me, and it's made out of the same thing, and I've held this so many times. I don't care. Here, Gronk, catch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, by the way, post-game, I should know, parade Tom Brady this year. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that video was the best video coming out of that whole thing because Absolutely. I didn't really and if care. You're hating, and, and if and if you're and if you're hating on this because you're an NFC South fan or you're an AFC East fan, not named the Patriots, but man, like those are things that you'll definitely remember for the rest of your life, especially if you're a football fan, the way that he was parting it up on, on that parade. Yeah, I uh, like I said, the whole throwing the trophy thing didn't really bother me. I, I didn't care. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting was the um, 
the the video where he was just walking around and he was kind of stumbling and they were kind of holding him up. I, I thought that was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of just NFL news here, one of which has to do with the Rams, or a couple of which actually have to do with the Rams. The first one is the details about the lawsuit against Stan Kroenke and the Rams regarding them relocating to L.A. Some of those details are starting to come out. The The lawsuit has basically been going on for years now. And it's come out that the city of St. Louis is actually seeking damages in the amount of billions of dollars, which is a lot of zeros. Uh, Stan Kroenke's the richest owner in the NFL last time I checked, so he could probably afford it. It probably wouldn't bother him, but he's certainly not going to go down without a fight. But it, the fact that the city is seeking that much money in damages, that is pretty absurd. Um, uh, one other note that I wanted to put out here I thought was pretty interesting when I was reading that story was the Rams went from being uh, their value as a franchise went from being $1.4 billion in St. Louis to after they made the move to L.A., they're now valued at $4 billion, which is Oh, no, oh, no wonder St. Louis now wants to get all that money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I this mean, was our franchise, and they ended up moving, but now they're worth double and triple. We want some of that. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I'm sure they're going to get a lot of money. Um, You know, I'm sure they're going to go about this in court for years. They'll end up getting a big chunk of money, but I don't know if they'll get – I think the last number I heard was like three, four billion or something. I don't know if they'll get that, but they're definitely going to get a, a big chunk of money. Uh, yeah, but listen, Mr. Cronky's fine. It, listen, especially if the Rams win a Super Bowl, what is four or five million dollars? Well, they're going to be hosting the Super Bowl. Oh, they're going to be hosting season, it even so, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, so they're going to get. He'll have the money. Like I said, the money's not the issue. It's just at this point they're just fighting it out because he wants to fight it out. Um, the other bit of interesting news that's kind of going around, especially here in my area, there's a lot of talk about Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are kind of, uh, not getting along right now and they might be heading towards potentially a divorce. Uh, it all kind of started with an interview that Russell Wilson did with, uh, Dan Patrick on his show. And he said, I'm not sure if I'm available or not. That's a Seahawks question, which is a weird statement for a franchise quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback to make. That's that's just a really odd statement to make. And then he ended up making another statement, uh, I believe it was a day or two later when they asked him to kind of follow up on it. And he said, I love playing for Seattle, loved it for years. You just never want to get hit. I've been sacked almost 400 times. We've got to get better. I've got to get better. I'm frustrated with getting hit too much. Uh my first thought when I read that was, yeah, you're getting tired of your ass handed to you by the Rams every time you play the Rams because you're getting sacked about 10 times every time you guys play the Rams. But he does have a point. He's been hit a lot, and Seattle has notoriously never really invested in their offensive line. So it's an interesting story to watch. I can't see a situation where they would actually trade him, but I mean – well, well, you know what? Who are we to say that, right? You saw Jared Goff get traded. We saw Carson Wentz get traded yesterday. So, but come on, like Russell Wilson, you know what I'm saying? He's definitely top five in the league, right? I mean, it, it, the relationship will have to get to a point where he doesn't get along with the GM and the GM doesn't get along with the coach and the coach and the GM and the quarterback doesn't get along with the owner, right? Um, but listen, I, I, I really think that Russell Wilson has a point here, but it's the way that he that – 
that it got out, right? The way that he delivered it, I thought it was way, way out of line. But again, I'm not a paid, paid professional, and I do understand him, right? The Seahawks have never had a consistent running game. Ever since Marshawn Lynch has left the team, okay, the, in the in the years that they won their Super Bowl, they haven't had a consistent offensive line, consistent running game, and basically Russell Wilson probably has had to run over 20,000 yards. You know how Patrick Mahomes ran 500 yards in the Super Bowl? I'm pretty sure Russell Wilson has, has had to run for over 20,000 yards the last three, four years because there's no you know running game there. There's never a consistent overall offensive flow to what the to what the Seattle Seahawks do. And I blame Pete Carroll for that. So if I was Russell, I would have gone straight to Pete, but you know, you're ba- you he basically called out his teammates. So that's yeah. that I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. He tried to soften the blow by putting it in there when he said I've got to get better, but ah, you know, he knows that, what he was doing. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone <laughs> with uh, half a brain reading that quote knows what he's saying. He's clearly saying, "I need some help. Get me some freaking help. I can't do it all." Um, and this is kind of the way athletes handle their business now. We've seen over the past couple seasons or past couple years, I should say, in all major sports the athletes are starting to get more power. They're starting to get more say in what they do, where they go, who drafts them. That's becoming a a big trend the past couple of years. So this is just the way that athletes handle this now. Instead of doing everything internally, they're just coming out and saying, hey, I'm not happy and you guys need to fix this. So we'll see where it goes. I'd be shocked if he got traded, especially this year. Maybe next year if it gets really bad, but I would be shocked if they did anything this year. Um, Another bit of news, J.J. Watt got released in what was kind of a shocking move because everyone's talking about Deshaun Watson and him potentially getting traded. Supposedly that's not going to happen. We'll see. And then it kind of came out that J.J. wasn't too happy. And instead of trying to trade him, apparently they just said, we'll do you a, a solid We'll let you just be a free agent, and they just straight up released him. Uh, so that was kind of a shock. Um, right I mean, now, everyone is basically just trying to figure out where is he going to go. Was I surprised? Yes. Am I shocked? No. I mean, we've seen the way that the Houston organization has been looked at for the last couple of years. I mean, all you had to look at is what the you know the ex head coach there did last year, right? I mean, are you kidding me? Um, and you know, you, you kind of watched their last game this past season. And when Watt is with Watson and they're walking down the sidelines and, you know, and Watt tells Watson, Hey, you know, we failed you basically. Right. I mean, that right there is so telling. And when I saw that, I was like, man, something's going to happen. Right. Because JJ Watt came into Houston, you know, and, and he even, he even said this in this video, like, you know, they booed him at the podium and everything. Right. And then he basically just became, Houston became a second home to him. So I believe that, you know, if you're a Houston Texan fan, you shouldn't be mad at his at his decision at all. He gave everything he had to you and to the city. It just feels like the Houston Texans just cannot find whatever it is that they're trying to do organizational-wise to try to get over the hump and to try to win the Super Bowl. And they were in such a great position to do that after they got Watson, and it hasn't panned out at all. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, like what has given them what, over a decade? 
I mean, dude, I don't blame him for leaving. You know, go go somewhere else. Go to a contender. Compete in the playoffs. Try to make a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? If if it's with the Browns, hell yeah, I'm going to love that. Are you kidding me? Because his brother plays for the Steelers, and we know that rivalry, how they don't like each other. It's going to be very entertaining, a very entertaining AFC North um, if he ends up with Cleveland. But, hey, again, I don't blame Watt, man. He's a seasoned veteran. He's been there, done that. His team doesn't look like they're going to be anywhere near a playoff run at all, especially with the whole drama with Watson. So I don't blame the guy. And you know what? Kudos to the team of just releasing him. Go pick your spot. Yeah, they haven't done a whole lot of good the past couple of seasons, but they actually did him a solid on this one. Um, so give him credit for that. Um, and he more than more than earned that right. Um, just this resume by itself. I mean, if you had any doubt about this guy and his ability and, and, you know, he's probably going to go into the hall of fame. He was a 11th overall pick three time defensive player of the year, eight time, all pro five pro bowls, two time sack leader, Walter Payton, man of the year raised over 40 million for hurricane Harvey, 101 mm-hmm. career sacks, 61 passes, defense, 25 forced fumbles. And he's got seven touchdowns, four on defense and three on offense. So this guy, he definitely earned it. And I think we could all agree his prime years are behind him. But wherever he goes, he's going to make an impact. And you got to think that he's going to pick a team that's in win-now mode. Uh, So it definitely wouldn't surprise me if he went to the Browns. Because we saw this past season, they're not the Browns we remember. They're actually a new, you know, young team, up and coming. So it wouldn't surprise me if he went to the Browns. And like you said, that would be pretty cool just seeing that rivalry between him and his brother. I mean, they would have to have a rivalry. Um, We'll finish up on this one and uh, we'll finish up on it because I know you probably have some strong takes here, or you definitely have some strong feelings on this one. The big news that broke yesterday is Carson Wentz got traded. So Philadelphia and Indianapolis came to an agreement. Philadelphia shipped Carson Wentz to the Colts for a 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 22 second-round pick that could potentially turn into a first-round pick. And the kickers that are in there is if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the uh, snaps next year, that's going to turn into a first-round pick. Or if he plays 70% of the snaps and the Colts reach the playoffs, it also turns into a first-round pick. So the Eagles are eating $33.8 million in dead money, which is an absurd amount of money. That's actually a lot more than the Rams are eating for Jared Goff. Um, you're a hardcore Eagles fan, Manny, and I'm sure you have some strong feelings on uh, this. Yeah, Nick, I mean, I just truly feel that when Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, won the MVP, it was quite difficult for Carson Wentz to actually be um, – not to be the man because obviously the team paid him, right? So they were expecting for him to be that guy. But it was just for him to try to top what Nick Foles had had done, right? And I truly do feel, still feel, that without Carson Wentz, the Eagles would have not been in a position to win the Super Bowl back in 17. But now having said that, obviously, to me, it's quite clear that this organization failed them. Failed them in a, in a way in which they never brought, you know, complete competition, they catered to whatever he wanted to do. And I saw a report today from Shefty that him and Doug Peterson basically never spoke. I mean, they basically talked through text. They never had a meeting one-on-one. They never sat down to discuss the game plan. Okay? 
I mean, like how 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 immature is that for a football for a football organization in this country for a head coach and quarterback, right? Especially when your head coach is that offensive guru per se. You guys cannot sit down during the week to discuss game plans. That you guys have to discuss things through text. Oh man, you know that. I mean, we thought the golf situation was bad. This appears way worse. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I think and, that and now, explains why Doug Peterson is no longer the coach. Yeah, and 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 it's and it's it, it's it's a sad thing for me because after winning the Super Bowl of seventeen, I kind of kind of knew that Foles wasn't going to be the man going forward, right? I mean, because Carson Wentz's contract was coming up, his rookie deal, and I know for sure we wanted him to be the man because we gave up a lot to draft him second overall. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's just something that you know. Eagles franchise can't have nice things when it comes to that, you know, to that quarterback position. We're not the Steelers where you could have a brush, a, a Roethlisberger or a Brash over 20 plus seasons. We're not the Packers where you could have Farvin Rogers for 20 plus seasons. Right. You know, we're not the, we we've never shown to be that franchise. that can hold a quarterback that's become a superstar, right. For you for a decade and you compete for the playoffs in a decade. So now you trade them away. You get a third round pick, and maybe next year's second round pick becomes a first. But man, like it's it's all in all, it just feels like everybody wanted to blame everybody. But in my eyes, this is complete, complete blame on the owner. Because the owner, okay, he's the one that signs the checks. He's the one that gives the people each position on what they're supposed to do. And I feel like he never had this situation in hand. He let Howie Roseman try to fix it, try to handle it. Guess what? It went south. So now, what do we have left? Nothing. Because we have a squad that's full of old vets. Okay, Deshaun Jackson just tweeted that he's not going to be coming back. Expect more from that from the Eagles because $33 million in a dead cap hit is pretty sincere in the National Football League. Just ask Rams fans how they feel when their GM keeps shedding that year by year and giving up first-round picks. Here's the difference. You traded away Jared Goff or whatever the case was, and you gave it to front for two, two, two future first round picks. But you got a quarterback back in Matthew Stafford that gives you an immediate chance to win the Super Bowl. What do the Eagles have? Jalen Hurts and the sixth overall pick. What are you going to do? Oh, it's going to be an interesting draft and offseason. Yeah. And uh, so the last thing I'll ask you, and then we'll get out of here, is week one next season, is Jalen Hurts the starting quarterback for the Eagles, or do you think it's somebody else? I believe they will begin with him. I don't think they would have gotten Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach from Florida, which is a coach that actually recruited him during high school along um, on board, if that wasn't the plan. Um, so that's how I feel. Listen, I don't think they're going to resign a Fitzpatrick because for sure he'll probably win the job because of his experience per se. I don't think Tyrod Taylor is getting in there if he's signed um, to be the starter. So to me, it's all about Jalen Hurts, man. It's all about Jalen Hurts. To me, Jalen Hurts, this is his team now. Um, you know, with a six pick, if a Justin Fields is still there, I would probably consider it. But again, I don't get paid the big bucks, but I still feel that it'll be Jalen Hurts being, you know, he will have an opportunity um, not only to, you know, to be the starting quarterback for this team, but to be the guy for the long haul. And it begins now, right? You know, he had tweeted or he had told a reporter last week that he's, you know, he's going to be hosting some workouts with the wide receivers and whatnot, right? So that's when you kind of know that, hey, you know, it's go time now. These these opportunities that you didn't have last year because of COVID are done, right? Now you have opportunities to meet up with people, you know, like Tom Brady. He broke the rules last year. Well, now this year, you don't have to break the rules. You can meet people, you know, at the parks and have like a little, you know, 
like a little practice per se. So to me, yeah. this is Jalen Hurst's team, man, without question. Yeah, I feel like it is too. So we'll see. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, guys, we'll come back to you again soon. And you might even get all three of us. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs> as always, take care, guys.